four, and welcome to our Sludge Stories. We're going to be focusing on our general theme of travel, which encapsulates all of our unique stories about our experiences with travel and what those experiences meant to us. The following story is told by Caitlin and is called Family Away From Home, where she describes meeting family for the first time in Vietnam. I stepped outside of the Tân Sơn Nhất International Airport, eager to finally get some fresh air after three flights and spending a total of 15 hours in four different airports, but was instead hit with an imaginary wall of hot, humid air. I had finally stepped foot in Vietnam, the native country that my parents grew up in. With each of us holding luggage in both hands, My dad led me, my younger brother, and my mom to a vaguely familiar man, waiting right outside the airport's doors. However, before we could make any proper introductions, my family began loading our luggage into the trunk of a nearby taxi van and shuffled our way into the seats. While the van started to move toward an unknown destination, the man introduced himself to me and my brother as our uncle in a heavy southern Vietnamese accent. With his lips curled into a warm smile, he expressed his excitement to see his brother's family finally take a visit to the motherland and reunite after years of separation. I watched the view of Vietnam change as a taxi van left the city, observing how the tall buildings began to fade into small houses in the countryside, and how quickly the noisy, hectic roads became narrow, one-way streets. The taxi came to a halt in front of a small gated sector of houses, which my uncle explained to us was our destination. After unloading our luggage, we pushed open the black brass gates, revealing three old houses sharing a single driveway and a circular metal table in the center of the view, crowded by several family members I had only seen in black and white photos. The atmosphere was full of life. I could hear cutlery being organized onto the table and the shuffling of chairs being arranged while laughter amongst family filled the air. Noticing our entrance, the crowd turned toward my family at the gate with beaming faces, signaling us over toward the table. Despite not knowing the names of the relatives that stood before me, each family member approached me with a comfortable embrace calling my name with love as if they had watched me grow up in every stage of my life. They urged me and my family to abandon our luggage for a moment and sit for a family meal as a welcome party. With my right hand holding a pair of wooden chopsticks and my left holding a bowl of rice, it was quite easy to be engulfed in the countless homemade Vietnamese entrees placed on the table. And though I was very hungry coming off of several flights, I was just as immersed in the view of my family and culture before me as I was in the food itself. People I had never met before, those who I considered strangers, accepted me with fully open arms and were curious to know how I've been, even if that meant they had to listen to my awful Americanized, broken Vietnamese over dinner. I was drowned in questions like, how is living in the States? Do you know what job you're pursuing yet? And... Are you excited to be here? Though the attention was overwhelming, I could feel it had come from a place of fondness and love, as they emitted spirited energy in their efforts to know more about me. 
It didn't take me long to recognize their hospitality and the way they treated me with care, as it made my heart fill with solace. There were uncles and aunts, cousins, and even nieces and nephews I never knew I had waiting for me in Vietnam. Even if I lived on the other side of the world my entire life, and even if I had never spoken a word to them, we were still family. The environment unfolding around me made me feel as if I had just snuggled into a warm dream. It was comforting, and it felt like home. It was thrilling to have such a familiar home-cooked meal in an environment so foreign. The humid air, the vast greenery of the countryside, the lingering food carts on small streets, the blaring croaking of the cicadas. But no matter how many culture shocks I was experiencing each day, I was always ecstatic to return for a home-cooked meal with the company of those who I can now comfortably call my family. The times I spent in Vietnam taught me a variety of life lessons, but it most importantly taught me the value of family and its indescribable bonds. That no matter where I end up or how long it's been, there's no warmer feeling than being surrounded by those you love. The next story we have is Shree's, and it's titled Calling the Cows Home, and she describes her time visiting her grandmother's village in India. Visiting India has always proven to be stressful for my family. As people that do not visit their homeland often, it can be overwhelming when you realize how many relatives there are to visit and how many sites there are to see. The pressure that was placed on us made my brother and I dread these trips. In the summer of 2015, my parents decided that a visit was overdue. My 18-year-old brother, upset that he couldn't spend the summer with friends, and 13-year-old me, irritated that I had to deal with nosy family, made up quite the moody teenager team that my parents had to handle. Halfway through our trip, my dad recognized my reluctance to constantly be on the go with various family members in countless cities and suggested I spend a week with my grandma in her village. I was overjoyed at the prospect of getting to settle down somewhere even if it was just for seven days. The minute I stepped out of the car into the warm night, I could feel a difference. The moon and stars seemed to twinkle right at me, telling me that they were excited to see me. It was calmer here and the air seemed kinder and more welcoming. People here did not treat their days like checklists. They embraced their day and found happiness in the process of being rather than doing. This calm stability I would soon learn was how a village life was. There were simple routines, wake up, clean the house, milk the cows, and go about the rest of the day tending to the farm or house. The task for the day was always something methodical yet simple. We would shell peanuts or pick fruit from the trees in the field and lounge around, sharing old stories until it was dark enough to call the cows back home. The animals were the best part. The two adorable calves in their light brown coats would gently headbutt me and look up at me with their gorgeous brown eyes with what I like to construe as adoration. And I knew they had me wrapped around their finger. 
Some of the neighboring villagers thought I was insane for how much I tended to those two calves. But the confidence I had at 13 was unparalleled. I firmly stated to anyone that would listen that these huggable heifers were mine and my responsibility. The sheer force of the cuteness of the cows encouraged me to put up with the countless mosquitoes that flocked right to me and feasted like my blood was some sort of weekly special at the diner down the street. I scratched my arms until the bites swelled up day after day, and when I doubted my dedication, I looked at my babies out front and knew that it was worth it. The calves, which most likely also thought I was crazy, started returning their affection in the most heart-melting of ways. When I woke up in the mornings and sat at the front door, they'd greet me by moseying up and placing their heads on my stomach. The end of the week came far too soon for anyone's liking, and suddenly, somehow, my parents were outside, waiting for me. I have never been good at saying goodbye, and my grandma cows and friends I had made were no exception. I did my best to gather my thoughts and hugged and kissed everyone and promised that I'd be back as soon as I could, knowing that I couldn't see this village again for years. How was I supposed to just leave? I kissed my calves on their foreheads, trying to not cry, and told them that I'd be thinking about them every single day. I didn't know how to tell them that I wasn't going to be back for a while and was tempted to moo it out just to communicate, even just a little. I said my farewells to the stars and moon that had welcomed me with open arms that first night and sat in the car. My grandma came to my window and promised me that even with the almost non-existent Wi-Fi network in the village, that she would send me photos of everyone and everything as often as she could. I haven't been able to go back since that summer in 2015, but I look at the photos of my trip and know that while it may currently seem unachievable, I'll get there and hug my heifers once again. The next story is narrated by Ohm, and it's called A Dream Come True where he tells us his experience of discovering and accomplishing his dream. It was our class's turn to enter our library and into the yearly Scholastic Book Fair, which at the time didn't know it would be a life-changing moment. All my classmates immediately ran to the toy section, while me being the curious little boy I was, walked over to the book section. As I approached the long rows of books, a little cartoon book stood out to me. Amazed by a low-quality book cover of two kids running away from a volcano explosion, I decided to buy it due to a gut feeling I had rumbling in my stomach. Once I got home and began reading, I instantly fell in love. Not by the actual story itself, but the volcano explosion in the book. I later found out at the end of the book that the volcano explosion was real and it happened long before I was born. Actually, long before any of us were born. After doing a couple of quick google searches and compiling my research, I found out this volcano explosion happened in present day Italy and destroyed the ancient town of Pompeii. This small research I did grew on me. I started to watch more videos and documentaries, becoming more and more attached as time went on. If a genie were to magically appear in front of me, with no hesitations, my first wish would be to visit this ancient town. All this excitement made me realize that this is my dream, to visit Pompeii. As I got older, my passion for Pompeii was still with me. However, the actual idea of being able to visit this historical landmark was impossible, which made me upset at times. 
However, one day around the summer of 2016, I was informed that our family, along with others, were going on a vacation trip to Europe and will be visiting many popular cities. Hearing the news brought lightness to my dreams of walking into Pompeii, which gave me hope that my childhood dream will finally be complete. While in Europe, we went to many amazing cities and landmarks. We originally didn't plan to go to the ancient town of Pompeii, which enraged me. However, by a stroke of luck, plans changed and it became one of our destinations. Butterflies were flying throughout my stomach while on the drive to Pompeii. The feeling players get before playing in a championship game was a perfect way to describe the excitement and nervousness running through my veins. Once we arrived at our destination, I stepped out of our bus and was immediately hit with the extreme humid and hot air. As we got closer and closer to walking into the town, I felt that once I reached the entrance, someone will pinch my arm and I'll wake up in my bed. But that wasn't the case. This was actually happening. We were given a short talk by tour guides and then escorted into the old abandoned town filled with tourists. Immediately, looking straight in front of me, I saw dozens of old aged buildings, each having its own unique shape and size, surprisingly still standing, looking to be made by some sort of clay mixture. Leading between these buildings were dirt rocks shaped like a hexagon, forming a pathway for tourists to walk on. With how beautiful these ancient buildings and pathways looked, my eyes were still locked on one thing. Towering above everything was the enormous volcano that destroyed this beautiful town. While staring at the volcano, I imagined the scorching hot fumes of ashes and lava rocks shooting out and crashing down onto the town, while the ground is violently shaking as if an earthquake was happening. My childish imagination was being fueled by the excitement of finally being in Pompeii. As my imagination ran wild, I did have a small fear that the volcano might erupt any second. Luckily it didn't, or else you wouldn't be hearing this story. But as I continued to stroll through the town with a tremendous amount of sweat dripping down my head, I couldn't hold back the large smile on my face. I felt like I was younger again, doing research, and becoming more and more amazed. The memory of buying that book, not knowing what it would lead me to, was still running through my head. Being able to say my dream came true sounded like a dream itself. However, as we wrapped up our tour in Pompeii, I quietly told myself, I did it, as my dream finally came true. The next story we have is narrated by Allie, and it's called Keep Calm and Carry On, in which she describes a valuable lesson she learned from traveling. You know the feeling of how everything's going well and running smoothly, and you just think to yourself that it's too good to be true? This feeling is the best way to describe the mess of my trip to Greece and Italy in the summer of 2018 with my choir group from high school. Now, don't get me wrong, this was a really amazing trip, and while I could talk about all of the amazing experiences and memories I made, such as singing in the Vatican to throwing a coin into the Trevi Fountain, there's just one bad experience that overpowers all of those amazing things. I was warned of the possibility of this bad aspect of traveling from my parents before we even left, and they said, Allie, you need to pack some clothes and toiletries in your carry-on in case your suitcase gets lost. And while I respectfully acknowledged what they were saying, I didn't listen, and I thought that there was no way that my suitcase would get lost. And just as I had expected, once we made it to Greece, my suitcase was patiently waiting for me at baggage claim, and I silently told them, I told you so, in my head though it didn't quite work out for me on the way back to California. After our first flight being delayed from Italy to Germany for a few hours and missing our plane back home by about 30 minutes, my choir director announced that we would be staying overnight in Germany for the next flight in the morning that would accommodate all 50 of us. 
Now, by this point, I was really excited because I'd always wanted to go to Germany since I studied the language in high school. So, after his announcement, we all proceeded to the baggage claim to grab our luggage so we can head over to our hotel for the night. And as everyone was grabbing their suitcases and heading over to the buses, one person's suitcase unfortunately wasn't in baggage claim. And that person was me. After frantically watching the conveyor belt with my panicked eyes scanning through the crowds of suitcases, I came to the realization that I had no idea where my suitcase was, and my mind started flipping through images of where my suitcase could have been. Was it sitting all by itself in the baggage handling system back in Italy? Did someone mistakenly take it thinking it was theirs, and it's now sitting in a taxi going further and further away from the airport? Once I calmed myself and my nervous thoughts, I eventually told my parents and my choir director, and we headed over to the airline's help desk. After a few minutes of the attendant scanning my ticket and searching through her computer, she told me that my suitcase was lost and was most likely still in Italy. Once I heard the news, I proceeded to break down on the floor crying. And when I say crying, I mean full hysterics. Tears, puffy eyes, and a runny nose. The breakdown trifecta. Not only did I not have any clothes or toiletries, but all of my souvenirs were also missing. And as my parents talked to the airline worker, my choir teacher tried to comfort me as I was sobbing in the middle of this German airport. At one point, he even jokingly asked everyone in our tour group to donate one pair of clothing to me since I didn't have anything. And I appreciated his humor. It was a very traumatic moment for me at the time. Though, I suddenly felt a stroke of luck rush through me as the airline worker told me that they had actually found my suitcase and that it was in the lost baggage section of the airport. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think I felt that much relief in my whole life. So the moral of my dramatic saga of the missing suitcase is to always pack extra clothes and toiletries in your carry-on, because no one is immune to lost baggage. And while this is just a really funny story to look back on, it also told me a lot about myself. I learned that I'm a very stubborn person who tends to think that they're always right. And this moment from my trip definitely proved that my stubbornness and tendency of rightness could very well lead me to something much more serious than a lost suitcase. So that wraps up the end of our Slut Stories podcast. We'd like to thank you for tuning in today, and we'd also like to highlight everyone involved in our podcast. We had Family Away From Home, narrated by Caitlin, Calling the Cows Home, narrated by Shree, a Dream Come True, narrated by Ong, and Keep Calm and Carry On by Allie. For the production side of things, we had Caitlin as the episode mixer, Shri as the content lead, Ong as the creative lead, and myself, Allie, as the episode host. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>